0: So we all know physics and how accurate it can be sometimes. And we also know neural networks and how accurate they can be sometimes. But what many of you are probably ignoring is that we can combine physics and neural networks. This episode will be about physics informed neural networks or PINs. Thank you for listening to Data Science at Home podcast with Francesco Gadaletta. You are about to get cutting edge insights from the people who are reshaping the world of technology with machine learning, data science and artificial intelligence. It's time for Data Science at Home. Welcome to the show. Hey, welcome back to Data Science at Home and Beyond. I'm Francesco, your host for the next 30 minutes feel free to join us on our discord channel where you can get in touch with me and the amazing community of scientists and practitioners. You will find links you need on the official website datascienceathome.com. Today, as always, we are going to have a lot of fun with the topics you love the most. So put yourself at ease, grab your cup of coffee or tea and expose your brain to the topic of the day. So to start with, no physicists or neural networks were harmed in the making of this podcast. (laughs) But uh, uh, I highly recommend to follow this episode because it's something that I personally find super fascinating uh, because indeed it's uh, uh, about the combination of uh, physics or physics models and neural networks. We know that both these schools of thought, in fact, are uh, super efficient and super accurate sometimes, you know, under uh, specific constraint, of course. We know that, uh, for example, uh, many of the uh, physics discoveries, especially the ones uh, of the last decade, have been facilitated with, uh, you know, by um, the availability of uh, new components computational tools, and uh, not only hardware, but also software. Uh, and at the, on the other side, we have neural networks, which uh, uh, have the tendency to learn um, something about the world, and so something about physics, in fact, uh, directly from the data. So it's kind of two you know, extremes, uh, if, you, if you allow me the terms, uh, because traditional physics model, uh, in fact, are usually created by a physicist, a domain expert, who knows the physics, of course, presumably, <laughs> and also writes down a model of the world or the natural phenomena that uh, he wants, he or she wants to to model, indeed. And so, you know, he puts down equations, um, and 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 for example, if you think about uh, uh, aircrafts uh, or aircraft dynamics. You know, there are a lot of equations there like drag, gravity, um, uh, thrust. Uh, lift and 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 many more. You know there is a, uh, velocities, acceleration, orientation, uh, and so on and so forth. And if you move, of course, into the fields of, uh, for example, robotics, uh, you know, depending on how many degrees of freedom of the complexity of the robot that you are to that you are trying to model, um, and also how complex the environment in which this robot is, um, you know, operating, uh, well, then the physics. Uh, can be uh, more and more complicated uh, uh, set of equations. Uh, on the other side, as I said, there is the so-called purely data-driven approach, which is, you know, neural networks is probably a first-class citizen uh, here uh, due to the fact that we all know that you neural know, networks can model nonlinearities pretty well uh, and also do not need uh, so-called uh, closed-form solutions. Uh, or, you know, they don't need the the, the phenomenon that they are trying to predict uh, to be solvable with a closed form uh, uh, methodology. Because, you know, closed form is, in mathematics, something that, of course, any mathematician or physicist would love to to deal with, um, uh, which is uh, essentially um, a, a mathematical jargon to say that there is always an explicit solution Uh, So, there is an expression, there is a formula that directly provides a solution to a problem or to an equation. Uh, So, in other words, it's a solution that can be expressed using uh, a finite number of standard mathematical operations like addition, subtraction, multiplication, division, and so on and so forth, but also, you know, logarithms, trigonometric functions, etc. While a a uh, non-closed form solution is a solution for which you most likely need, um, you know, approximations or numerical methods um, in order to find uh, solutions that are as close as possible to the to the real one. And that's kind of you know what happens I- the, the normal in in, in physics uh, having to deal with uh, uh, solutions that are not uh, that don't have a closed form solution. Or, sorry, problems that don't have a closed form solution. So that's where approximator function approximators like neural networks help right um, and again i want to focus on the on the on the jargon here uh, many out there are misunderstanding the power of neural networks to uh, you know behave like a human brain just because they uh, you know, have some, so, some, something similar to, to what happens in the human brain, that is having neurons, having synapses, and then connecting these synapses to each other uh, with the so-called hidden layers. Uh, but, you know, in fact, we are very far from there. <laughs> so uh, we are much closer to interpret neural networks as function approximators, which is indeed what they are. So, why a combination of the two? Well, first of all, um, uh, the title of this show, uh, I already mentioned it a number of times, Uh, it deals with physics models that uh, also operate together with neural networks. And indeed, uh, there is a new type of neural network. In fact, it's not new. It's something that exists out there, uh, you know, in the researchers are always always active to (laughs) write about uh, these methodologies, especially, the ones that know physics, which is uh, a very good help these days. Um, And they provided, in my opinion, a very nice uh, uh, title of their papers or the field of research, which is Physics-Informed Neural Networks, or PIN. Um, And so, PINs are physics-informed neural networks, which is... Uh, a neural network that is kind of, you know, at the intersection of these two major fields and two kind of schools of thought when it comes to uh, making predictions, which is neural networks, fully data-driven, and physics, fully model-driven. And so the accuracy, you know, for a physicist depends on how good the model is, how good the set of equations summarizes what, ha- what is actually happening in the real world. While neural networks are accurate, when they can extrapolate from observations, um, you know, something about the world and something about the natural phenomena that they are modeling or they are predicting for. But they do so just by observing the, you know, the data um, during training, of course, and also during inference. So they are pretty much data oriented, uh, which is kind of the opposite of being model oriented. as always, the combination of two, you know, very different schools of thought, you know, this mix uh, about uh, two completely different fields uh, and two completely different methodologies uh, can give rise to something that is more powerful than the single methodologies. That is, neural networks alone, fully data-driven and physics alone, fully modern-driven. So, as always in engineering, is, you know, the, the right answer, uh, the correct answer or the right model is uh, kind of in the middle. Uh, that's, you know, a, a recurrent uh, fact that that I found, especially, you know, even in my career. Um, in fact, I had a professor who, who always, you know, back in the days at university, who told me that repeatedly uh, the right answer is almost always in the middle. Um, and now of course, you know calculating means is <laughs> one story, but combining different methodologies uh, and taking the best of both worlds uh, both or more uh, is usually better than the single, uh, the single method. And we have seen this also in, uh, in machine learning, for example, with ensemble methods, where you can see there are multiple models. They learn, let's say, different aspects of the, de- of the same data, uh, and they contribute with findings that are pretty much, you know, uh, specific for that particular model or methodology. But when you combine these things, you obtain something that is more powerful than the single single model, right? And the the same is happening here. You know, neural networks plus physics can lead, can can drive you farther than uh, neural networks alone or physics alone. So, in order to explain this now, of course, as always, um, you know, making a podcast about Um, physics or things that require at least a whiteboard is, you know, something that uh, is always challenging for me. And uh, I hope to make a a decent job to explain this with words, though, of course, I will report, um, you know, some of the references that I believe can help Um, even, you know, studying this uh, amazing field and expanding a bit the knowledge about about all this uh, in the show notes of this episode uh, at the usual website, datascienceathome.com. So, in order to explain this and drive a bit some of the, you know, explain some of the, let's say, uh, concepts behind PINS, uh, physics-informed neural networks, uh, I'm going to um, take an example of the projectile motion, like uh, a missile, a bullet. This is kind of a classic uh, in in physics. Um, and, uh, and so, in order to explain, for example, uh, what are the forces that, uh, you know, when you throw a stone uh, in the air or at your friend, don't do that, but, you know, or when you just shoot something, like a projectile uh, or a missile or a rocket, what happens uh, to that trajectory what happens to the velocities positions accelerations etc so we will use this example to drive a bit the explanation of all this so when you consider the projectile motion um, you have in fact a you have to consider in fact the um, displacement vector so-called position uh, of the projectile at time t uh, which is usually defined by you know it's a function of time um, Uh, Now, when you derive, uh, when you apply the first derivative of the position, you know, physics tells us that you obtain the velocity vector. And when you derive that again, uh, so the second derivative of the position is the acceleration or the first derivative of the velocity is the acceleration, right? Now the acceleration of a projectile, again, according to physics, in the most simple formula that you can find out there is, for example, considering the drag, uh, which is, for example, the fact that the, the projectile is in the air, the air has some drag or there is some friction, uh, and there is, of course, gravity, at least here on Earth. And so, usually we call gravity g. And so, if you want to write down the equation of the acceleration of a projectile, uh, you would have something like negative mu, where mu is the co- coefficient of drag, uh, times the velocity vector uh, minus g, which is the gravity vector, okay? And so, when you do this, uh, essentially, you are, you know, you are explaining how the uh, projectile is supposed to, um, you know, move, which acceleration, which velocity, which position in time, because, you know, if you integrate from acceleration, you go back to velocity, if you integrate again, you go back to position, And so, by knowing this and by by knowing some uh, numerical integration methods, for example, Runge-Kutta, which is one of the most used out there, but also Euler uh, methods are are also good sometimes. So, by doing this, you essentially uh, can describe the trajectory of your your projectile, you know, pretty accurately. Uh, Now, pretty accurately means uh, pretty accurately with respect to the physics model that you are considering. um, Which is, of course, a simplification, because uh, even physics models are models in the sense that they approximate, because there are many other forces that you might be considering, uh, not only just drag and gravity, but there could be probably more than a dozen other uh, forces that you might consider, Coriolis forces, I have one on top of my head, or I don't know, orientation. There are, there are many other things that can happen to that projectile during motion. But, you know, if you want to stay simple, uh, we just take, you know, the simplest um, uh, physics model uh, and we can pretty much accurately calculate the trajectory. So, we know that given some initial conditions of your rocket, uh, you know, you know, if that rocket is following... The physics model that you just described, uh, it should be more or less okay to consider the landing point or where the rocket is gonna hit uh, if it consider if you consider a certain velocity, certain acceleration, and a certain drag coefficient. Okay. Hey, this episode is supported by Mimecast, the email security solution that every business needs. Are you relying solely on M three sixty five to protect your workplace? Well, that's not enough. Just one phishing email can bring your entire business to a screeching halt. Picture this, your transformers stop transforming and your circuits (laughs) short-circuit, all because of one email. Don't let that happen to you. With MimeCask you get a security solution that is specifically designed for email and workplace collaboration. It detects suspicious emails and diversifies your security stack so you can have peace of mind knowing that your business is fully protected. Setting up Mimecast is quick and easy. Just five minutes of your time can save your business from falling apart. And so don't wait until it's too late. Get another layer of protection for your inbox today. Head to Mimecast.com for a free trial. Now, what happens when uh, uh, you let a neural network predict this trajectory well the neural network will try to do things and to predict the future by looking at the past um, which means that as long as you know the neural network has you know data um, the next point or the next position or the next acceleration would be should be you know pretty much okay pretty much accurate the problem is that when you, when the neural network starts missing data uh, well then, things you know trajectories can 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 diverge from what is supposed to be, you know, the trajectory of the physics model, uh, which might be probably the best shot you can have, pun not intended. But um, the problem of neural networks is that they need data. Well, models in general they need data uh, because it's a data driven model. So missing data means. Missing prediction or mispredictions. Uh, there are many tricks that we can use. For example, regularization uh, that would help, in fact, a neural network or a model in general to predict the right, um, the right, uh, the right data points in the future. Um, for example, using L two regularization, uh, you. I found on the internet something very interesting as a, a nice explanation of what regularization does, that allows the network or the model to fit through the data and not to the data. I think that's one of the best <laughs> uh, explanation of uh, uh, of regularization, uh, you know, because regularization is essentially prevents the neural network from overfitting the data. So, you know, a neural network that sits on the data, um, which means that if you have a lot of data, uh, you would start seeing uh, a, a trajectory that just... You know, passes through each point, each possible point that you have that the network has uh, at its disposal. But in fact, you want to fit the network or the model through the data, um, which means that the model would learn well, would would predict even when data are not available or when data are too too many. So that's what the regularization uh, can do for us. Now. What do physics-informed neural networks do? Well, the idea of having a physics-informed neural network is essentially uh, a way to help the neural network with something that we know from physics. And so, it's like telling the neural network, hey, yes, learn from the data, Uh, you're doing a great job there, but pay attention because if your predictions go against what the physics model is telling me, well, maybe I should not consider these predictions as valid. So, it's kind of adding some constraints to the network. And in fact, it is exactly that. It's exactly adding additional constraints to the neural network, in particular to the loss function, um, uh, in order to uh, let the network, let's say, find a solution that can fit the data because you know data is king. Uh, we have these observations. Um, we might have error, however, in these oper- in these observations. We we might have noise. Uh, we might have missing points. And in addition to that, we also have the dear good physicist who who told us, "Hey, look, the trajectory should be more or less like this." You know, according to the model. Guess what? Because you are you have you might have a draft. Uh, coefficient, and because you do have gravity, and so, you know, the trajectory should be like this. Now, I'm not sure 100% where, but maybe combining this information with the data that you have with the observations that you are collecting, that you have collected from the, you know, from the real world, uh, you can combine these two things and constrain your model better and more in order to give me more accurate predictions. Okay, that's exactly what uh, physics-informed neural networks do. And I find it fascinating because, you know, you can even weight um, these this two, let's say, concepts. Like, uh, in, in your, during inference, for example, there could be situations in which you have a lot of data uh, because it's easy to collect, because simply, you know, you have tools to collect data in that particular moment. And then all of a sudden, you might miss a lot of data because, you know, reality is like that, right? You you cannot expect that you will always have data in the same amount and also in the same, at the same rate, right? Um, So, by by combining these two concepts, in fact, what I find really fascinating is that neural networks of this type would, um, uh, in fact, weight uh, which part of their knowledge to use in order to provide a prediction. Uh, because it would be better to use the physics, the physics equations, you know, the partial differential equations that, that govern that particular phenomenon when I don't have data. And when I do, uh, I would just use the data plus I would constrain so that my predictions do, do not become, you know, unreal, right? They go beyond the physics. Uh, you cannot, You can never go beyond the physics. If you're going beyond the physics, there is something wrong probably in your in your model or the physics model is wrong, which I barely believe. Um, for example, if a neural network is predicting things from the, the observations in which you would, let's say, conclude that there is no more gravity to your problem, uh, well, then you should raise an eyebrow because we do have gravity, uh, we know, so, it's kind of a prior prior knowledge that the neural network has to consider all the time. You cannot ignore that. Even if your data is telling you there is no gravity, the data is wrong. It's probably noisy. And so, of course, you know, in the papers I've been reading, uh, there is a ton of equations and stuff. Um, the mathematics behind physics-informed neural networks is not, not easy, especially if you are not familiar with physics. Um, and calculus and 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 partial differential equations, ODEs, uh, derivatives, and all that stuff. So, of course, if you are curious, uh, I highly recommend searching some of these topics and and studying them because they are amazing. Um, and I was not of this opinion during <laughs> during my academic years, but then I you know in the years uh, after I realized how important these things were. Um, and you know, in fact, these things are all around us all the time. For any sector, any domain that you are operating, when it comes to predictions, there is very, very likely you will be dealing uh, with uh, ODEs and partial differential equation systems, and so on and so forth. So, the um, um, when you look at the physics-informed neural network loss, um, you know you would have usually for the, da- the purely data-driven approach, you would have a, for example, function minimization or loss minimization of uh, an MSE, uh, mean squared error, mean, uh, mean error, whatever error you try to minimize, right? Um, because that's exactly what happens when you do backpropagation and you, know, you try to tune the weights of your network to, to the data so that you can say, okay, I know what the ground truth is. I know what the network is telling me. Uh, and so I make a difference of that. I calculate. A, I minimize the error. You know the distance between what the network is telling me and what is actually uh, the ground truth. What I should be expecting from from this network. Um, this happens when you have a you know purely data driven approach. You write down your your your. Uh, mean squared error and your loss uh, function, and you try to minimize that function with, with stochastic gradient descent, right? That's what happens in, in regular neural networks. With uh, physics-informed neural networks, you add another loss, um, uh, which is the, I don't know, loss physics, uh, which also considers uh, the physics model uh, and something that you have to minimize with respect to that physics model. Um, and since the physics model very likely will contain uh, derivatives, um, well, you, you, are, you don't have to be scared of that because we can already calculate derivatives uh, with, uh, for example, uh, numerical, tools, numerical tools. And so, you know, in PyTorch, we do that all the time. Uh, so, in, in a physics-informed neural network, the only difference is, in fact, in the loss function is a bigger loss function that calculates something more that comes from the physics model and tries to minimize that too so you not only minimize the data the, the you know the, the mean square error or whatever loss that is data specific but you also minimize whatever is physics model specific uh, and then you can combine these two and as i said you can weight uh, these two you can use a weighting. Uh, factor or parameter, even as a hyperparameter that you can also learn from the network. Another amazing thing about uh, physics-informed neural network um, is learning coefficients that you don't know. Um, And remember when I spoke about the draft coefficient, the draft coefficient usually indicated as mu, which is negative mu because, you know, it goes in opposite direction with the velocity. You know it's when the projectile moves and the air is kind of, you know, pushing against the velocity vector in the opposite uh, uh, direction. Well, the draft coefficient, you know, that depends on where the projectile is flying. If it's in air, uh, also if it's atmospheric air, if it's uh, uh, high or low, if the the density of the air, if there is a cloud, if there is, you know, all these things can change, right? So, we don't know what the draft, we know that there is a coefficient, a draft coefficient, we indicate it as mu, but we don't know what's the the numeric value of that thing, right? And uh, most of the time, we have to approximate that, or we have to measure something about the air, the density, etc. With physics-informed neural networks, in fact, we can even infer that from from the model itself, you know, because that can become a trainable parameter as all the others. And we can estimate that uh, by looking at the data, by looking at the physics model, how the the data should be moving, how the trajectory should be according to the physics. And then also we mm, uh, uh, constrain that to the observation, and boom, we can have a very good, sometimes a very good uh, approximation of uh, the draft coefficient. Now, it's a draft coefficient in this very simple equation, but in fact, there are many other coefficients that, you know, depends on the, the model, the physics model that you are considering that, you know, are unknown at the, when, during your experiment, and you would like to estimate that. So, that's also when uh, physics-informed neural networks can help and can play uh, a very interesting role there. Now, there is a very interesting website, and uh, again, I will report this in the show notes of this episode at datascienceathome.com, which is uh, probably the best I could find online. It's about physics informed deep learning, and the subtitle is Data Driven Solutions and Discovery of Nonlinear Partial Differential Equations. There is also a GitHub repo uh, about some of the experiments um, where code is available, of course, and it's a, a very good deal. Uh, between, you know, some theory and some practice uh, there are also very interesting equations that are um, considered as examples, like the Burgers equation, Naverstoke, uh, Schrodinger equation, and some others uh, that are clearly, uh, you know, they, they come from the, from the world of physics rather than deep learning. Um, and in my opinion, this is a very interesting website. It's re- totally worth uh, having a look at. I learned a lot, especially from the, more practical aspect of, uh, you know, combining physics with uh, pure data driven um, methodologies. So this is, in my opinion, one of the most interesting fields um, where very active research is conducted. uh, And also it gives uh, neural networks the dignity they deserve, (laughs) because Uh, There has been a lot of noise lately about, you know, large language models and AGI and the fact that deep learning or neural networks, which, again, are just complex function approximators. um, But, you know, many journalists out there uh, have been pushing these methods as uh, the vehicles towards uh, AGI, which is artificial general intelligence, sentient machines, and all that stuff. I not only don't believe that, but I I believe that every method, mathematical method, should be, you know, framed into its capabilities and its potential. And, um, uh, you know, a function approximator, of course, cannot uh, do anything more than approximating functions, uh, in my humble opinion. Uh, Now, I think that in this particular field of physics-informed neural networks, I think, and I said, (laughs) we give the dignity neural networks deserve back to neural networks because that's exactly what they are. I hope you enjoyed the show. I'll speak with you next time. You've been listening to Data Science at Home podcast. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, or Podbean to get new, fresh episodes. For more, please follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, or visit our website at datascienceathome.com.